Originally, this was going to immediately follow Scrappy Pictures Part 1, but life, as it tends to do, got in the way. So, uh, it took a while to get it recorded, and it took a while to get it edited, and now I was sitting on it. And one of the few benefits of me screwing up in this way is that I can make a couple of corrections. During this episode, I talk about a movie called Girl Fight and the director, Karen Kusami, and I, I think I say she has, like, a career in television now, and I'm a little bit dismissive of her post-girl fight directing work, but the true fact is, she directed a movie called Jennifer's Body, and another movie called The Invitation, both of which I like very much. So if I sounded dismissive of that director, I shouldn't have. She has actually had a more impressive career to me than Michelle Rodriguez, the star of that particular film. Another thing that I do, because I'm an idiot, we're talking about a movie called The Best of the Best, and I'm going on and on about how this is like a, an early 90s movie that's just stuck in the 80s. Because in my head, for whatever reason, this movie came out in 1992. But upon doing due diligence, Best of the Best actually came out in 1989. It is a legitimate 80s movie, so uh, I'm an idiot. Now I've made these corrections, I can take this noose from around my neck and step down from the chair and get back to the business of recommend, or, or, or welcoming you to Rankin Review and warning you that this episode about scrappy pictures will have spoilers and coarse language. Um, I'm joined by Mr. Salvador Frank once again, and yeah, it's a theme of martial arts kind of movies, conflict kind of movies, movies that have fight. As always, you can send your feedback to rankinreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. The website is rankinreview.ca. And Rankin Review drops every other Wednesday, so check out Rankin Review every other Wednesday. I'll talk to you a bit more at the end of the episode, but let's let this thing get started. Let's fight. So I've learned a few things. 
You gotta, you gotta be careful of trusting people named Salvador. <laughs> <laughs> Originally, we were gonna do these back to back, but time and life and everything got in our way, so we made you wait for part two. I apologize, but Salvador Frank is back. We're here. And we're gonna talk about six more scrappy pictures. And just like last time, I have selected three movies. You have selected three movies, so I thought a good way just to get the introduction done would be if we each just told why we picked these particular movies. And uh, since you're my guest, I guess I'll let you go first. <clears throat> okay. You chose Best of the Best. I did. Billy Jack and uh, I guess it's Shogun Assassin, but uh, Lone Wolf and Cub correct. is the... Is the correct is the original title of right. it. We'll get into it when we review the movie. Right. But uh, so those are the three. Why? Why? Why these scrappy movies? Uh, they were influential to me when I was g growing up. I remember seeing them, and I remember loving them. And uh, I thought, in addition, there's some uh, modern significance now to those titles, and I thought it would be interesting to talk about them. Okay. Anything specific about each one? Like, uh... Uh, well, it's Lone Wolf and Cub, um, that, uh, Star Wars, <laughs> particularly The Mandalorian, has completely ripped off that movie scene for scene. Um, Lone Wolf and Cub, uh, it was a, a series, many, many movies, in addition to just the, the first two that they turned into a Shogun Assassin. But, uh, again, they were influential, um, there was sort of a genre that followed the popularity of that. Your your samurai, not just a kung fu movie, but more of a samurai movie. It's kind of feels like an eastern western, if that makes sense. It does absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And then uh, best of the best for me came out at a time when I was just starting into uh, my kickboxing foray, right. and it spoke to me. And I thought that's that's it. That's what I want to do. <laughs> so yeah, it has a little personal connection. Absolutely. And then of course Billy Jack. Billy Jack. I remember so many things about Billy Jack, which we'll get into deeper, but uh, a lot of childhood memories from Billy Jack. Right. And later on in life, I learned to appreciate and understand that it actually had significance in its time. It carried weight. It okay. certainly did. And it was like Billy Jack uh, appeared in a series of movies, yeah. and for a while he was everywhere. And now he is nowhere. And I think that there's probably a reason for there's that. A re and we're we'll probably going to gonna talk about <laughs> yeah. it. Okay, well, my, my selections were a little bit different, uh, obviously. I had a different list of six movies that was all scrappy themed that I sort of cut in half for this. And in this half of the mix, we have a couple of interesting ones. One of them actually is actually making me question the whole purpose of film criticism. This girl fight movie with the... With, um, What's her name? Michelle Rodriguez. Michelle Rodriguez. Thank you. I can't believe I blocked on her name because she's been coming up a lot on the podcast lately. Uh, it's just interesting how you can watch a movie two times in two different places in your life and have two completely different kind of reactions to it. And that being the case, what is the point or purpose of film criticism? If, if three months later you would give a completely different review or three months earlier you would give a completely different review i don't know it started to it's starting to mess with my head a little bit uh plus i i put this in your hands so of all the movies that we're going to talk about today girl fight is the one that i've gone the longest without actually putting my eyes to so i'm going to confess that uh I, i'm not basing it on the memory of the movie i did watch the movie again for this podcast but because of the time it's took it was five five or five or six months ago now. <laughs> For me, it's only been two days. Right. So <laughs> you have a little bit of an edge there. Yeah. The other one that's kind of an interesting pick is Chocolate. It's from the same director as Ong Bak. 
and uh, the one that we earlier reviewed. We reviewed that in the previous Scrappy uh, episode, and I do think that this guy is really good at handling action. And the question is of the exploitation or the use of autism or mental illness. It's it's a touchy thing, and I know that this movie is just trying to be fun and silly, and I want to let it be that, but. Uh, we're going to talk about it. We will talk about that because you and I both have a, a personal connection. connection. We do. Yeah. And then we're going to talk about a Best Picture winning, The Fighter, starring Mark Wahlberg. Uh, this is from uh, David Russell, David Russell, and he uh, he's directed all sorts of movies. He did Three Kings with George Clooney. He did uh, the I Heart Huckabees. There was a, I'm trying to remember, the Silver Linings Playbook was another big one for him. And this would have seemed something out of his wheelhouse. And it's sort of presenting itself as a nouveau Rocky. And it certainly was well-received. Well, well but is it the nouveau Rocky will, will be right. the question that we have to ask. Also, I think there's interesting things to be said about um, the acting in that movie. Yes. So um, those are the movies that we're going to be discussing today. Is there anything else you wanted to say by way of introduction before we... No, let's jump in. Once more for the cheap seats, we're going to be talking about Billy Jack, Chocolate, The Best of the Best... Girl Fight, Lone Wolf and Cub, and The Fighter. I remembered all of them. <laughs> Just testing you. You worked with King, didn't you? Yes. Where is he? Dad. And where's Bob and Jack Kennedy? Dad. Not dead. Their brain's blown out. I don't care about all that. I just don't want you to go out and commit murder. Mr. Johnson, when's the last time you cut your hair? Oh. When's, when's the last time you brushed your teeth, out of sir? Order. Kill you, Billy. An Indian isn't afraid to die. Don't ever expect the white man to understand that. Hey, Billy. I'm not armed. No tricks. And I know that you're only doing it because of the love you have for the kids. And me. So I think in order to appreciate Billy Jack, you got to understand some historical context. This is based off of several, it's a series of films. Is that my phone or yours? It was mine, I'll, I'll say. <laughs> There's a whole series of films, The Trial of Billy Jack, but the character is a half Navajo man who uh, injects himself with a bunch of hippies at this commune and basically becomes their protector and protector you know like he's sort of like the conscience the moral center and the physical heavy of the movie watching it i you know now all sorts of things flooded into my brain it's impossible to live through the time period that i have and not be aware of the song one tin soldier right but i had no idea that it was from this movie and i had no idea how much it was played in this movie it was <laughs> yeah. just like oh yeah even like I've always felt like that song was a little heavy-handed and on the nose, which is to say incredibly appropriate for this movie, but I think even if you like that song by the end of this movie... You've heard it enough? You're done. <laughs> yeah. you've, you've had enough. You've had your fill of that song, yeah. And I think even if you like hippies doing, you know, improv exercises, by the end of this movie, you're over it. And I think even if you are impressed by the martial arts, which I guess is in the sort of same vein as uh, we talked about uh, Enter the Dragon... 
where the fights are solid for their time, but maybe don't hold the same punch, to use the expression, as they yeah. would now. <clears throat> Nothing has really aged well about this nope. at all. And the stuff that didn't age well, the proselytizing, the smugness, the just unbelievable arrogance of it is repeatedly slapping you in the face. Like, oh, yeah. I have to confess, <laughs> this was a hard sit for oh, me. <laughs> oh, okay. I watched it out of nostalgia and was thinking, wow, I used to like this at one time. It has not aged well. And I think you and I both spoke about this, that you could cut one third of that film out and still have the same movie. Yeah. There's so much extra, almost like propaganda and preaching at you. Um, in today's, um, it'd be a woke movie, very woke. Uh, again, I didn't get caught up in the wokeness of shit. Like, it, it, I really think people can talk political correctness, wokeness. It's going to be the end of the world, and they've been saying it for fifty years. Yeah, and it, it's not been the end of the world. So I just, yeah. I'm not a believer in that. It's, it's <clears> the <throat> empty proselytizing. This, this white man speaking on behalf of the native people and right. the oppression. And as much as like. I like the idea of the hippie free love lifestyle. And if I had a choice between Vietnam and free love hippie, sign me up for the free love hippies. But I found them all fucking insufferable. Oh, <laughs> like, insufferable. Oh, yeah. And they're trying to go for this cool hand Luke thing towards the end where he like sacrifices everything for him. And watching it with modern days, whereas I don't so much see this as a woke movie, almost the opposite of it, honestly. This guy is their protector. He is their guardian angel. And without Billy Jack, they are fucked. So, yeah, there's nothing. Like, the world is going to tear them apart. They have nothing going for them. So all those scenes that we were talking about with the uh, the hippie improv that they were going through and stuff, what value did it add to the movie? Time. I honestly felt it felt like padding to me. It felt like, let's get this to, you know, 100 minutes. <laughs> it was painful to watch. And interesting that, uh, what's his name from WKRP in Cincinnati there? The right. DJ. Right. Um, Dr. Johnny Fever. Dr. Johnny <laughs> Fever was in there. Good. Actors got to eat, and yeah. he is right in that hippie. Like, he is well cast. Oh, like, yeah. He's fine. Like, again, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to take it away from him. And, like, even the dude playing Billy Jack, like, he looks tough, and he delivers the lines with a straight face, which could not have been easy. Well... <laughs> <laughs> I think he actually believes his shit. Yeah, you think he was all in? <laughs> in I think so. In, in real life, I think he believes his shit. Because I think he wrote it and he oh. fought to finance it. Like, he was the major driving force behind this movie. It, 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 was, it was all him. And it's, it's weird because you would think it would be about the hippie value system or protecting this culture of the Native Americans, but it's all about him. Oh, yeah. It's all about him. And the bad guys are so ridiculously over-the-top bad, throwing flour over the, the brown skin of the kids that yes. makes them look the right color. Like, even the most unapologetic racist is not that much of a fucking asshole. In public, in the middle of <laughs> no, the town? They just don't wear it that proudly. I no. just don't believe it. I, uh... Either, maybe I'm naive and I've never seen it. Like, I am... This is... I'm a white boy, what can I say? But, like, uh, the, yeah, I just... Nothing in the movie holds credible, and some of it comes close to hysterical. And isn't that funny that from our lens now, today we look back on and we have all these criticisms, yet on its second release, it, it was, it, it, it went, people just went bananas for it. Yeah. 
they loved it. Uh, I was reading that like, it was one of Elvis's favorite movies. Yep. I, different times, man, I, I guess. And you're talking about going into the fighting specifically, because this is the scrappy episode. Right. They do a lot of these slow motion moves, right? And I thought, well, that's kind of cool, because sort of ahead of its time. Yep. But then the more I watch it, the more I'm thinking, there's a reason they're doing this in slow motion. Because if they showed it at standard speed, it would not be impressive. No. They're actually doing these moves slow, and slowing them down makes it feel like there's more impact, but it makes it easier on the stunt performers. And maybe it was a trick that people used to see through, but I saw, you know, I'd not see through, but I saw right through it. Well, I'm not sure if you'll agree with me, but of all these 12 movies that we've reviewed, it is probably the lightest for fights. Yeah. Yeah, like, I was when, when, you, when you break it down, there's actually not a lot of martial arts action. Um, a lot of standoffs, a lot of uh, nose-to-nose yeah. confrontations. Okay, and that leads me to the best part. <laughs> the redeeming thing of that movie is I'm going to whoop you upside your face. There's not a damn thing you can do about it. Again. And Come this, on, that's an awesome scene. I'm going to do this. It's going to happen, and you're helpless to it. And he kicks him in the face. And it is maybe the best action sequence of the movie. It's also 35 seconds long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> But, again, like, it seems strange in, in the values that this movie is representing that what we want is a character who can kick a police officer in the face with impunity and not get... You know. And, by the way, he does immediately pay for it. Like, when he says there's nothing he can do about it, all of his guys hold him down and beat the shit out of him. And I think that does technically count as doing something right? about it, Billy yeah. Jack. Like, yeah. it was a badass moment, but there was no follow Okay. <laughs> Throughout the movie, him and his friends suffer a lot of repercussions Yes, for all this. And then that brings me to the end. What a letdown ending. <laughs> he turns himself in to save the community. And they walk away? Yeah. Like, yeah. A woman is raped. A woman is capital R raped. Right. And she's willing to let it go for the good of the community because she doesn't want more fighting. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> like, wow. And maybe, again, if we understood more about the community, like, we understood that they do these terrible drama exercises and they sing, you know, cheesy songs like One Tin Soldier, but, like, do they represent anything other than <laughs> let's live on a farm do drugs and have sex like yeah <laughs> so billy jack is trying to be and again I, I got this there's a lot of cool hand luke influence you know the paul newman he's sticking it to the man right and, and uh, <clears throat> even though he's in jail the whole time we cheer for him despite his attitude because well it was paul newman Billy Jack is no Cool Hand Luke. It's yeah. not even close. And Cool Hand Luke was sort of like quietly bucking a system knowing that it was impossible odds. Where Billy Jack seems to really think he's got all of this by the balls. He turns himself in because it's for the good of the community. But yeah. it's all this honor me, honor me, honor me. And I think it's telling that you say that this was all one guy putting these things together. Because that just speaks of ego, ego, ego. I right? think so. Yeah. And... I wonder if that turn ever happened over time. Like, tw 10 years later, people are still digging it. 20 years later, I think people had to start noticing there's cracks. 30 years later, 40 years later, when does this guy actually have the epiphany? Like, oh my God. Well, if you look, I think, at his, uh, his IMDb mm -hmm. movie history, it doesn't go very long. Not past this, hey? No. Well... A few more movies after this and some other appearances, but he doesn't have a long list of credits. I think he stale dated very quickly. 
which is interesting, <clears throat> that uh, he was an indigenous hero, uh, a role model. Right. Many of the friends that I grew up with loved Billy Jack. It was uh, something that they weren't seeing in regular movies, right? He's indigenous like them, although light-skinned in this movie. And the actor is not native. For the he record. is not. No, it's no, he's just playing. The character he's play. playing the character. But uh, my friends in elementary school, they love Billy Jack. Hmm. I even remember, hey, want to come over to our house and play Billy Jack? And I'm going, what is that? <laughs> it sounds like fun. And they explain to me what Billy Jack is. I go over to their house. The game of Billy Jack consisted of jumping on furniture and doing flying drop kicks in each other's faces. Just kicking the shit out of each other for Good, fun. Good, wholesome fun for like kids. kids. absolutely. <laughs> but my point being that Billy Jack was huge for a lot of kids a little bit before me. And I kind of got in on the tail end of it. I was introduced by some older kids. Right. And that's where uh, my affinity for the, the Billy Jack movie came And in. again, I don't mean to shame you or anything like that at all. I have a sort of different end of the spectrum. When I was a kid growing up, I was really into the John Hughes comedies. Weird Science, Sixteen Candles, Breakfast Club. All the things directed right at, well, they were older than my age group. But because I was a little kid, I wanted to be where right. they were. And you watch Weird Science or Sixteen Candles now, and there is a lot of shit in there that would not be filmed today, no. would not fly today, is completely... But I still have this residual affection. Like, I will even defend, like, yes, Weird Science is very problematic, but it also puts a smile on my face, and I can't change who I was at that time. So, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you're, you're more or less agreeing with me, but it doesn't sound like you're still clinging to Billy Jack. It seems like you've kind of made your peace with it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it doesn't, for me, it doesn't hold up well. It has some nostalgia, and it has a few scenes, like the I'm going to whoop you upside your face scene. Yeah. I love that. That whole 30 seconds, I could watch that over and over again. But to endure the whole movie, not so much. There is a pretentiousness, a smugness, and a shrillness that I found really really hard to take and then when you're away from those scenes then we go back to like i say the bad hippie improv yeah and the uncomfortable i got raped but it's okay shit happens scenes and like did it feel like they were maybe maybe when filming improving the movie i would bet money at least for those scenes right. like obviously the confrontation with the sheriffs was scripted right but like some of those I other scenes say half of the scenes with the hippies they were just making up as they went sure, along they and kinda, it looks maybe, and feels like it. exactly they kind of had an idea and let's just go for it and just the same scene would happen again yeah we, like we just saw this scene and now this is a variation of that same scene like yeah. it's the idea of completely undisciplined screenwriting if it was screenwriting i agree with you i think they were just making it up but good enough we got to pad the runtime right and uh i'm, I'm not a believer in that i mean it's kind of come to the other end of the spectrum now. Instead of like, let's just let the camera run and let the actors find the scene. Now it's we'll fix it in post. We'll just we'll add shit to it later on to make it work. Right. <laughs> you know. And uh, either way, lazy. Come in with a plan. And if you don't have a plan, it's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where I stand. You could cut a third of this film off. Yeah. It might be a watchable short film, but I'm only going to say might. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else you want to say? No, man, the, we're done. We're done I'm beating sorry that if up. I no, you. no. <laughs>
Okay, so full disclosure, I am the uh, parent of an autistic child. Tristan's on the autism spectrum. He's got high communication skills. A lot of times when people picture an image in their head of what an autistic person looks like, well, that's not what my son looks like. Uh, it's sort of a saying in the autism community, if you meet one autistic person, you've met one, one. autistic person. It's an incredibly broad spectrum. I, my wife and I have joked, like, everybody's on the spectrum. There's just an area of the spectrum that we qualify as normal and the area of the spectrum that we qualify as autistic. So, look, I, I have a personal connection to this, and I resent when a movie doesn't take it seriously or uses autism as a superpower, which happens so much. Yep. So, so much. Going back to Rain Man and... And uh, I can't even yeah, like even yeah. Rain Man, like it's well-meaning. You can tell that its heart's in the right place, yep. but it's still, you know, they it's still trying to make the most entertaining autistic person possible, right. and and soften it yep. as in in this way. <clears throat> and I understand watching Chocolate that that all they're trying to do here is look at a different way to approach the fights, and they do use the autism. And uh, one of the characters has. Um, I don't know if it's like Tourette's or uh, mm. this... Yeah, he's got some quirks. Weird yeah. sort of uh, excess quirkiness that he has to incorporate into his fights. Mm-hmm. And they're not seriously trying to tell us a story about what it's like to be autistic, what it's like to raise an autistic person. They are trying to reinvent ways to approach fight scenes. And I can kind of look past it and try to enjoy the movie on that level, which I do believe most people will be able to and can and maybe should be able to do. Uh, I do think some of the choreography is intensely clever, and I like the idea of the movie, I guess, isn't without merit completely, but it's hard not to feel... I don't know if condescending is the right world. It just doesn't seem appropriate. Like... Even if they did all of this and just didn't mention it, just like she was different, there was something about her that was off. Like, the fact that she can watch somebody sword fighting for 30 seconds and then she's instantly an amazing sword fighter, that she can watch people doing, uh, you know, exercises, training in martial arts, and she's suddenly, intuitively, this amazing martial artist. No, no. I can appreciate the action sequences and how they're handled um, and those things are good and if you want to watch an interesting action spectacle and just watch it for that okay I will say that something has happened because this is after Ong Back and the Protector and I think that the quality of the filmmaking especially outside of the fight scenes has actually gone down a little bit I don't know if it's a budget or if they were they were taking a risk. This isn't Aja here. This is some unknown. But uh, I didn't feel the polish or the, the, the budget put into this that were in The Protector and Ong Bak. Um, the fight scenes work. Pretty much the rest of the movie I think you can skip past. And a lot of people will watch <coughs> martial arts movies that way. A lot of people just, in any martial arts movie, will be bored or irritated by the interstitial scenes and just want to get to the next fight. Hell, I'm sure I did that when I was a kid. Fast forward to the next action sequence. And I never endorsed that as a way to watch a movie until today. If you want to watch chocolate, by all means watch chocolate. Don't take it seriously. Don't take it personally. And watch it only for the action scenes. And only on that basis will I recommend it. I had never heard of the movie until you recommended it. Right. 
I didn't know what I was getting into until I started watching it. Right. You kept it a secret, and he, I think you even, hey, just go into it. Yeah. And here's the autistic thing. And for my disclosure, too, I helped raise two autistic foster boys. So there's that, that connection, too. And and we both agree that that... It's not handled well. It's not, not, that part's not handled well. And I agree with you, it is a, a tool, a vehicle to explain her abilities. <clears throat> you have to suspend this, uh, your reality and just watch it for what it is. Good fight scenes. Yes. Um, reading some of the reviews online, it's mentioned many times, not the strongest story. Right. But that's not unusual to many, many, many martial arts movies. No. You're Winter not, the Dragon doesn't have the strongest right? story. <laughs> you're, not, you're not there for the storyline. Again, that's just a, a, a very weak foundation, and we're just going to watch somebody kick some ass. And I think that holds up. I thought the fight scenes were really inventive, cool. There were some new moves we haven't seen before. And I thought the actress did very well, um, especially learning that she did just about all her own stunts yeah. and took the licks for it, too. She was injured and... Three people were sent to hospital yeah. during the production of this film. Yeah. Like, like seriously injured. <laughs> but that is not something unusual for Thai, this type of movies, yeah. Thai or some of the other East Asia movies. Like, uh, stunt people are disposable. And <laughs> it's not they unusual. They want to get hurt, I have read, because uh, if you, you, you can do stunts all day, but if they don't use the footage, they don't use the footage. <clears throat> but if you, they use the footage, you get paid. And if you get hurt... You get paid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I went at the beginning. I'm reading the the, the pre credits, or and it's, they kind of almost do an apology or an explanation of the autism thing, right? Right. And <clears throat> okay, I'm going. Oh, this is about an autistic martial artist. Okay. And after a while, at the beginning, sorry, I should say, I was feeling eh, mixed mixed feelings about it. Am I going to like this? Is it going to piss me off? And as the movie went on, I felt they they respected it to a point. They they didn't play it up as much as I, going into it, thought they would. It's also impossible to take fully seriously. Right. Like, it's not Rain Man. <laughs> no, no. I, th- I thought it was going to bother me more right. at the beginning, but... They dealt with it not not too bad, I guess. And, and again, suspend your belief that this is reality. Not that this is the only interesting and weird uh, corner to the movie, too. The <clears> villains' <throat> group is made up entirely <laughs> of lady boys of cross-dressing men, which I do, do not see a lot in Thai movies. <laughs> no. Like, and it was definitely a choice. Like, yeah. like, and it was like it took maybe a couple scenes of double take. Like, that's yeah. a dude. And that's a dude. They're all dudes. What's going on? So for me, I did the double take, and then I went straight to my, my source, IMDB, yeah. and I started looking up the actors. But there isn't much on them, because I wanted to see, like, are those cross-dressing? Why that choice? <laughs> right. Though? Like, that's an interesting choice, but why? Especially because the leader of the cult is obsessed with uh, Chocolate's mom, right? Yeah. So he seems like decidedly heterosexual but his entire gang is it's, not yeah he's surrounded by well in Thai terms lady boys yeah uh, and it's not heavily addressed it's just kind no of it's like just there there it's there and if you're gonna do that it seems like you would address it or you would like do it for a reason you would have <laughs> a card to play when it came to this and nope that's just a choice an interesting <laughs> choice but it didn't really <laughs> like contribute much more than that. It right. was an interesting choice. 
And you know what was interesting to me too that I had never heard of this movie. Okay. Considering the tie into On Back and all that stuff. Right. And I, like, how did that completely miss my radar? I don't know if it was a bigger movie on the other side of the ocean or not, but uh, like I say, I'm pretty sure, unless I'm very much mistaken, or maybe it was released here after them, but uh, he'd done The Protector and Ong Back, which I think had much more polish to them. <clears throat> and then this, right? Yeah, so yeah, probably much bigger productions. Yeah. And he's kind of trickling off. Right. However, I would say that if this popped up on one of those late night movies, I'd watch it again. Yeah. Again, I, I didn't mean to come out so hard on it, but I felt like it was the elephant in the room that I needed oh, yeah. to address. Yeah. Right? Uh, if it's going to rub you the wrong way, then then if you know that going in, maybe you can avoid it. But as a father of an autistic son, I was able to get past it, but not to the point where I wasn't going to pretend that it wasn't there. Right. You know, like I, I couldn't look entirely the other way. But we're burying the lead here because you are absolutely correct. There's a fight that happens in this... Uh, warehouse where they're cutting cubes of ice <laughs> and that's an amazing action sequence uh there's a scene where these thugs try to mug her and her buddy while they're doing the street performance and she uses her shawl as like a, a, a fight prop and yeah. it's just so well shot and executed that <laughs> i forgive everything that's happened before it because of how well shot and executed that fight was <laughs> and uh i mean you're not going to be surprised by everything that anything that'll happen necessarily in the movie um her, I don't know what was the relationship with that sort of chubby kid. Was that like an he adopted was also, brother, or he like, was another orphan? Because they were living at an orphan, orphanage, right? Okay, and so he, he was just, just another befriended her, befriended her. Yeah, and at some point you could say, was he like taking advantage of her because using her skill set to make money? Both. No, he looked after her. <laughs> he did, and she looked after him. It was a mutual. It was. It was a mutual thing. However, he was well. And they also show that, you know, at the beginning he might have looked like he was benefiting, but he was actually giving his money to his adopted aunt, her right. mother. Yeah. Okay. He called his aunt, that's right. Yeah. So they weren't so, brothers. Well. And okay, I'm going to regurgitate some stuff I found online. <clears throat> they were doing, uh, they intended in the movie to do split scenes. How uh, scene for scene it was copied from some Bruce Lee movies, but it was too expensive to uh, to get the rights to use that. Right. So like the warehouse scene with the cardboard boxes, the ice warehouse scene, they were going to put... Bruce Lee movie side by side and her moves were to exactly mirror and time exactly what was happening in the Bruce Lee well, movie. Well, and they established that because when she was little she was raised watching. by the TV and she watched Bruce Lee movies and On Back was in one it, of the movies. On Back was watching. one of the ones that that's, I watched. So it had to have been before this, yes. right? That's that's why, yeah. So, uh, yeah, and maybe you could buy that she watched a movie over and over and over again. She could figure out the moves. But uh, then it goes to she sees her dad sword fighting. And becomes amazing. And becomes an amazing sword fighter instantly. See, at the beginning, some of it was more explained that she lived right next door to a Muay Thai academy. Yeah. And she was picking that up there. But then... Again, that would be weeks and months. Right. <laughs> and then in a minute, she's an amazing sword fighter. Yes. And again, like, we're asking hard questions of a movie that doesn't deserve no. that necessarily. We're getting too deep. <laughs> too deep. <laughs> um, and it does have that thing, and this definitely happened in, in Ong Bak too, where... The movie's tone is a little bit strange. It'll be kind of light and goofy for a while, and then all of a sudden, super hard, right. super dark. Yeah. Oh my god! And you know, the the cancer-ridden mother who they've been struggling to get medication for through the whole movie is unceremoniously slaughtered by yeah. the bad guy at the end of the movie. I guess if there was a thing that surprised me in the movie, it was that. But then her dad 
is there and all is well. This dad that she's never known really her entire okay. life. And then they never explain. When I, mom's I in communication th- with him, he <laughs> never comes back from Japan for his special needs daughter and the woman he loves? No, and like, exactly. They 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 love each other deeply, but they can't be together. It's Romeo and Juliet, and this crime boss is standing between their love. But really? Yeah. Like, really? <laughs> he, he was clearly a wealthy mobster in Japan. Yeah. He couldn't have sent them a plane ticket? Or just, yeah... If you love them, be with them. Disappear with them or, like, have this confrontation 15 years <laughs> yeah. ago. Or however old she is. She's a teenager, I think, mm, when this I is think playing so. out. Yeah. So, it's a dumb action movie. And you know what? There's lots of dumb action movies and I can watch and enjoy lots of dumb action movies. I hold this one's feet a little bit more to the fire for personal reasons. But I'll finish where I started. If you want to watch some well-executed action sequences... Check out Chocolate. I was actually pleasantly surprised. Right. Don't take it personally. Yeah. Or try not to take it personally. (laughs) In the bygone era of feudal Japan, Ogami Ito, the Shogun's executioner, had glory, honor, loyalty, and a family. Until everything was taken from him. Everything except for his son. With his young son in his arms and his sword at hand, Ito sets off on a journey to avenge the death of his wife and clan as an assassin for hire. The deadliest duo imaginable is a father and son who could take on an entire army known far and wide as Lone Wolf and Cub, walking a thin line between life and death, cutting down all who stand in the way of revenge. They take on corruption, villainy, ninjas, samurai, Anyone is a target for the right price. So Lone Wolf and Cub is the one of the movies that you recommended to me that I liked the most of all of them by a large margin. I was quite surprised by it. It turned out that I had seen it like when I was much, much, much younger right. and it was called Shogun Assassin. Yep. It was like a rental. This was back when I was like in Alberta still. This is in the 1900s. This was a long, long time ago. I barely like remembered it. But the cool thing about it, like I think I said at the beginning of it, is it feels like an Eastern Western. Like uh, this guy is traveling across the lawless land, going, finding these different communities and getting in these different adventures. And the only thing in his life that softens his hard edge is this little kid that he's taking care of. Yeah. And, uh... (laughs) This is a guy, I wrote down one of the, wash your neck and wait for my blade. <laughs> like, <laughs> he is hard, hard, hard news. And this was just part of a six-picture series from Japan. It's like their version, around the same time Clint Eastwood's doing his Dollars trilogy in right. Italy. Yep. This is where all of these uh, assassin movies or lone wolf movies are coming from. And... I feel the spirit of them being very similar, but whereas the Italian westerns had to pull back, These, Lone Wolf did not. They do not. This is incredibly violent and incredibly sexual in a way for a movies made in the 60s and 70s. Honestly, kind of surprised me. Yeah. Like, uh, 
I, I mean, I, I knew he, he's going to be chopping people with his blade. I wasn't, oh my God. <laughs> the spurts, the copious amounts but, of... <laughs> yes, exactly. The anime level of blood and the obsession with Titty that <laughs> sort of quietly threaded through the movie. And it, in a way, because it is exploitive, but it doesn't feel exploitive. It just feels like legit to the world <clears throat> that we're being presented. I understand, again, especially after watching the movie, you're comparing it to The Mandalorian, because this is an incredibly tough guy who was put in charge of this child. But in this case, it is his child, and the establishing relationship scene between he and his child are... He asks the kid, (laughs) Would you like to live this life with me, or would you like me to just kill you right now? Yeah. And there's no way the kid's old enough to understand. Well, he says that. I know you don't understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Choose the ball or the blade. Yeah. And you believe him. Like, if the kid had chosen the ball, he would have taken his head. Yeah. And that is fucked. Like, that's crazy. Like, his character is insane. He's got this Klingon value system, which I usually don't much appreciate in, in leaders. But once he's committed to the kid, after the kid made the right choice of the blade, he will walk through fire for that kid he will kill every person in the world if that is necessary for that that kid is the safest kid in the world once that commitment happens so um yeah it's it's based off of a manga i believe which that's what they say, yeah might have been based off of the legend it feels like an archetypical kind of adventure he goes from place to place with these kids and he gets mixed up with different bad groups and he has adventures and it feels fragmented because it is yeah it's a bunch of books put together (laughs) yeah and especially if you watch shogun assassin it's actually a bunch of movies cut into one movie cut into one movie uh this one is supposed their flagship adventure i believe yeah Uh, and um by all accounts it's the best but worth of getting and um right now the only way to get it is through criterion uh, collection and it is fucking expensive but I would love to get my hands on it I mean I'm not right now willing to pay $60 for uh, one movie but uh, it, it's, of it's the movies we- you recommended it was the one that knocked me over <laughs> and do you think you like it <clears throat> because of the good storytelling I mean definitely and the vibe of it just because um, it's very visual right. it's very intense again I go back to the Sergio Leone westerns there's all these establishing scenes and face off scenes and confrontation scenes and they feel so iconic yeah like they feel like they've somehow always existed <laughs> yeah um, many of these uh, samurai movies were known for their good stories and that's why Star Wars and many of the uh, spaghetti westerns ripped them off Magnificent Seven. Magnificent yeah. Seven. Um, the the Duelist, uh, the Fortress became Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, like uh, Mandalorians ripping this one off. It's because they had pretty good stories, um, and they were iconic. Yeah. And I think this movie still holds up pretty good. Yeah, it really does. I remember stumbling across it as a kid. Uh, a friend of ours had one of those massive satellites in their backyard, sleepover, and we're flipping through trying to find anything that we can get a signal, and there's this guy a samurai with a little kid chopping people up and we're going oh we're in we're watching this we're staying up let's watch this and then over time we realized that we were watching a a channel that specialized in these kind of movies and it was a series there's more of these oh yeah we're just eating this up yeah let's have the next one let's watch the next one i'm almost surprised and i'm forgive my ignorance if i'm wrong but this isn't like a james bond type of figure 
you maybe, could just pick this up and reinvent it. Like, there's something timeless about the storytelling right? and, like, the presentation. I mean, I'm sure people, like, they have their favorite James Bond would be really connected to one actor or another. But really, the it, it could be a comic book or a TV series that just went on and on and on and just showed us more darker corners of this world and taught more bad people lessons on how it's a really bad idea to mess with this little kid. Yeah. Well, and isn't that funny? As time goes on, the kid gets involved in, oh, yeah. in the killing. <laughs> And he, he loves it. Yeah, he's an accomplice in a... In, in a I don't yeah. want to downplay, though, um, that it is incredibly violent and sexual. And uh, if you're not down with that, that, that could rub you the wrong way. It was violent and sexual in a way that I was actually kind of surprised by. Yeah. Uh, um, some people... <laughs> How about the filmography? I thought it was filmed great for the day. Oh, yeah. The cinematography yeah, yes, is, yeah. like, outstanding. And... Uh, I keep on comparing it to Sergio Leone, and maybe I should compare Sergio Leone to, to it. It'd Probably. Accurate. <laughs> but the landscapes, the vistas, like him slowly approaching with the, his, his cape kind of catching in the wind. Yeah. Uh, my, my boys are obsessed, or we're obsessed with Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. I think Kung Fu Panda borrows from this. Oh, for this. sure. It like, does. Obviously, nowhere near, but this image that Poe has of himself walking through the Badlands, yeah. just having these adventures. Totally, totally this. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally this. Uh, they couldn't reference it directly because it's a kid's movie, but like, yeah, uh, there's just a base level of this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, the the effects are a little bit strange in that maybe they're not believable. Like some guy gets stabbed and like it's a fountain. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it's got that sort of air hose where you can actually... It makes, it makes the noise, the yeah, air, the squirty noise. the air forcing the blood out of these hoses. So do you think that's just a limitation of the technology of the day? We're going 50 years back. I, 40, 50 years. But it would have still been a choice to use that effect. Sound oh, yeah. effect? Like, oh, yeah. It, the squirty sound like, effect. I don't know if you would have created a different spurt effect for the blood, but it wouldn't sound like... It's not a garden hose, right? But they lean into. Oh, that. they really do. <laughs> and and again, not necessarily. I'm. It's not. I'm not taking away from it. I'm saying like it's a little bit janky as a special effect, but it fits with the world of the movie fine. Like I wasn't like fake. I was just like, holy shit, that's a lot of blood, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, but some people, you know, find the ludicrousness of it like that takes them out of it. But I look at Quentin Tarantino and Kill Bill, right? Yeah. He does exactly that. And I don't know this, but I have the feeling if I was to ask Quentin Tarantino... Has he been influenced by these yeah. movies? Oh, absolutely he has. Well, that and six more, much more obscure movies that I've never heard That's of. That's right. But I can't help but feel like the uh, handling of the uh, sword effects, especially in Kill Bill. Again, I think the influence of Lone Wolf and Cull is still being felt very today? deeply today. Like... Very in the way that Billy Jack has been completely eradicated. Yeah. This is not no. like this is still vibrant and alive. I think, like I said, a fresh take on this, which arguably the Mandalorian maybe is, would would strive. <laughs> I think today. I'm surprised someone in Hollywood hasn't jumped on this and and, and try to reboot it. Yeah. Or there's all sorts of do it post-apocalyptic or do it like sure. you know there's all sorts of different. But the the basic structure, hard man who is only, only bit of softness is this little kid that he protects yeah. and put them on any game board in the world and just watch how shit plays out. Yeah. Sign me up. <laughs> like, 100%. And, I, I mean, I expected to like it, and once I realized it was Shogun Assassin, like, a smile came to my face. But, like, I... 
this movie overperformed for me. Like, it's not deep, it's not intellectual, but it is pure cinema. And even if I didn't have the subtitles to help me with the language, the storytelling is so pure form, you could follow you, it. You could follow it, absolutely you could. Like, maybe you wouldn't get the nuances of some of the dialogue, but there's not a ton of it. <clears throat> You'd know where the movie was going. Yeah. You would. Yeah, they're in this town, and this guy wants some money from him or something, and oh, oh. Now this woman wants to breastfeed the child for some reason. That's a that's a strange scene, but uh, not uninteresting, I suppose. <laughs> and there was never a point in the movie where I was like, "Where are we here? Like, why why this now?" Like, whereas Chocolate definitely had that, and Billy Jack was almost nothing but that. <laughs> yeah. uh, this one stayed the course for me. It's very simple and very straightforward in how it's going to you know entertain and titillate you. And it does the job, and I don't know what more we can ask of a movie than that. <clears throat> and that is actually probably one of the reasons why, as a kid, I loved these this whole genre of samurai movies. Loved them. Yeah. Um, you know Hard Boiled? Yes. John Woo. John Woo. There's a classic scene in Hard Boiled with uh, this guy going into a hospital and grabbing a baby and getting out of the hospital and this incredible epic firefight taking place with a baby in his hand. And again, I can't help but think... Influence. Influence here. I mean, it's a different world that they're playing in. Yeah. But it adds stakes that while he's swinging this blade and blood is flying everywhere and limbs are flying everywhere... He's still protecting the kid. In his other arm is a toddler. Yeah. The stakes will never drop for that. Like, you're always going to be on board. You're always going to cheer for him. You're always going to be like, yes. Yeah. So, if you haven't seen Lone Wolf and Cuff, uh, unfortunately, like I say... Hard to find. It's not easy to get your hands on. It might even be easier to get your hands on, quote, Shogun Assassin <clears throat> than it is Lone Wolf and Cub. But if you can get your hands to it, Rank and Review fully endorses. <laughs> 100%. Sorry, did I mow over you? Is there anything else you wanted to say nope. about it? No, that is... I, I endorse it, too, and... But you're going to have a hard time finding it. You're going to have to work for it. Yeah, unless you can pay the money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Aren't you afraid of getting hurt? I didn't make the cheerleading team. Boys are different from girls. No girl has what it takes to be a boxer. You're embarrassed. You have lost your mind. Sorry. Don't be sorry. Don't ever be sorry. So what does it take? To be great, I mean. A real strong will. You know, they say love kills you in the ring. I love you. Are you scared of me? No. That's funny, you look scared. Inside, you know yourself? I do. Then that's all you need. So, in September, Rank and Review will turn 10. And I have dozens of subscribers, by the way. I have dozens of people listening to this free podcast. <laughs> like, I'm doing it for me, in a lot of ways. This is like just justifying my ridiculous movie collection and justifying, you know, <laughs> my love of cinema and uh, just putting it out in the world. Maybe people will find it, maybe they won't. I don't necessarily regret it. And over 1,300 reviews deep, 
I find myself thinking about Girl Fight quite a bit the last couple of weeks and how it completely, completely undoes me as a critic. I first saw it when it was a relatively new movie. I believe I saw it at the Broadway Theater. And I thought, that was a charming movie. Keep an eye on that director. And this Michelle Rodriguez, I bet you she's going to be going places, right? And then I picked it up at like a rental place where you can buy like, you get five movies for 12 bucks or whatever. Yeah. And it was just one of the pile. And it sat on my wall and it sat on my wall. And we ended up doing it for the podcast. This is my excuse to revisit Girl Fight. And having seen a lot of Rodriguez's work subsequent to this and knowing where that director went, like, there was not a whole bunch heroic, like, post this. For Michelle Rodriguez has done great for herself, but she is the same person in every movie, every single time. She's either, you know, she's got a hard edge and a chip on her shoulder, but a heart of gold, or she's got a hard edge and a chip on her shoulder and fundamentally is wicked. But that is all that she is bringing to the table. One trick pony. And look, if you want someone to do that for you in your movie, she will bring it for you. And there are actors who are that way. Like... Christopher Walken never disappears into a role. As far as I'm concerned, I'm always looking at Christopher Walken. (laughs) But I dig it. The thing is, is that I watched it when it was new, and I re-watched it two or three months ago now. And right now, I'm struggling to bring up plot points to talk to you about. It's one of the most whatever-fine movies that I can think to bring. And... It wants to be this sort of, like, girl power, Rocky kind of picture, right? Where, you know, she's down in the dumps and put upon and weak at the beginning of the movie, but she finds her center, she finds her strength, and she's victorious at the end. The way I looked at the movie now is that it was all preordained. She knew that she was better than everyone else and that it was all going to work out for her. It just seemed like she'd read the script before... And again, maybe this is because I've just seen too much Michelle Rodriguez films. And then over above that, and I think this is the most unforgivable sin of the film, the fight scenes don't feel legit to me. When she's in her corner getting instructions from her coach, who's giving a decent character performance in in, in that end of it, I don't believe that she's in the middle of this, like, intense physical confrontation she doesn't look hurt she doesn't look tired no she doesn't look sweaty no she doesn't look beat up she doesn't look like she's about to beat someone up she looks like she's an actress delivering lines which is what she is but i can't understand how i really liked the movie when it first came out and now I don't hate the movie, but I would say I am completely indifferent to the movie. Like, even if I was to say one of my my nieces or, or, or my goddaughter who's like, you know, of that age where they could really lock on to a girl power movie, you could do better. In a way, I feel like this is a little bit of a condescending girl power movie in that in order to up the stakes, she not only has to fight a boy, but she has to fight a boy that she likes. Right. Right? And... I did a little bit of boxing in my day, and maybe things have changed. Maybe it's based on weight. But in my day, boys did not fight girls, and girls did not fight. Like, they were, they were separated by gender. And it made sense. Like, the, the percentage to weight and muscle mass, I think that there's a reason that gender... I don't think it was mansplaining or sexism. And I think that the movie goes out of its way to, like... Uh, top itself, and it's not just a boy she has to fight, but a boy that she loves... I don't know, it started to make my teeth hurt. And it started to make me resent myself forever thinking that the movie was anything. But again, when the, this, this director and this actress are just hitting the, the scene, 
You're kind of like, good for you guys. Well done. But they've... Rodriguez has gone on to much bigger, better things. The the director... I'm going to get her name here. Sorry. Karen Kusama was the writer and director. Right. She moved on almost exclusively to film. And uh, I think she did that. Charlize Theron, uh, Neon Flux, Aeon Flux. Oh, movie, she did Aeon Flux. Okay. I think, again, I will cut that out if I'm wrong about it. But, you know... It, She's working, and she's, you know, making a living, doing what she wanted to do, so good for her. But it's not like she became the next Spielberg. <clears throat> and Michelle Rodriguez is working. She's got the Fast franchise, and she'll be doing endless, you know, variations of Michelle Rodriguez for years to come. But it's just not easy to get excited about. And that is my entire thesis about this movie. It's nothing to get excited about. If you have a 13 or 14-year-old girl who, like, is looking for a girl power movie, I guess... But I have to believe there are better ones. Than there those. are better ones. <clears throat> so going into this, knowing Michelle Rodriguez was in it, mm-hmm. I was already skeptical. Oh, not a fan. <laughs> not a fan of Michelle Rodriguez. Okay. And for all the reasons that you've pointed out. All the reasons that you've pointed out, she's got one dimension. And in the first 10 seconds of this movie, I get Michelle Rodriguez, pouty, angry face, looking out under her angry eyebrows. Yeah. That is the epitome of Michelle Rodriguez right there and I knew where this movie was going and I understand I think this was actually her first movie yeah and Michelle Rodriguez is toned down because she isn't quite her yet but it was still enough of her that I'm going yeah this is another Michelle Rodriguez movie even right out of the gate I have a hard time believing that everybody at that school doesn't respect her and like her like the script is making them not like and respect her but like I just I didn't really believe the conflict there like she seemed like she would be there was nothing off about her there's nothing off-putting about her like she needed to have a chip on her shoulder she needed to have like a reason that people didn't like her other than the script needed her to be down and out so that she had a place to go for the third act of the movie yeah and you you picked on it too uh the fight scenes weren't they weren't incredible there was nothing special about them they weren't filmed the worst but they weren't there was nothing special about it. I feel like you need to make a choice, especially when you're doing uh, like these arena-type fights. Everybody knows what a boxing match tends to look like. Uh, when the, the Fighter, another movie we're going to talk about, uh, Russell just said, how do they televise it? What do they usually do? How would you usually see it? And we're going to do that, and we're going to put two extra cameras in the ring. And that's what ha- that was his approach. Right. This, I didn't really feel like, as much as it wanted to be a Rocky movie, anyone had done their research for like what they wanted in the ring. If you look at Martin Scorsese's Raging Bull, there's nothing realistic about how the fights are shot. It's almost like over-choreographed, slow black and white. But <laughs> you're seeing all the sweat dripping off of these actors. And you're seeing their face contort right. when they get hit. And you're seeing the blood spatter on the ground and you believe that these two people are getting hurt right and not that i want michelle rodriguez to get hurt or whoever she's acting with i want to believe that there's danger in that ring and that's something i don't know that the movie ever really accomplishes nope i never felt like ooh, my character's getting beat up like uh i i like i said very very briefly took boxing and like i quit because I, i kind of thought it was a a silly game from a perspective like psychology I want to knock this guy's chin to the nef- left or right far enough that it unhinges his knees before he knocks my chin to the left or right enough that it unhinges my knees and like you know what maybe there's better things I could be doing <laughs> 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 I 
Um, but there is tactics to it. There is psychology to it. Like, I'm not one of these guys. I'm not a big UFC fan, as we discussed in the previous movie. But I'm not one of these guys. It's stupid. It's just a bunch of morons punching each other. No, I get that there's skill and that there's tact and that there's uh, preparation and planning that goes into it. I just think that you should maybe put those skills and plans and preparation, maybe something else, but uh, it's not necessarily just two people smashing into each other. And on some simplistic level, I think that maybe the director felt that that's all it was. And if you're going to make a fighting movie, your movie is called Girl Fight, you have to deliver the goods in the ring. On the fights, yeah. You have to. Yeah. Even if the rest of the movie worked perfectly, which I am going to argue it doesn't, if the stuff in the ring is flat, which I am saying it is, then oh, yeah. your movie is not going to work. So, it's strange. I am, honestly, I, am I a bad critic? <laughs> no, no. I honestly don't know if I saw it when it came out. Right. When I watched it the other day, I feel like I watched it for the first time. Right. And I'm like, oh, I don't really think I missed much years ago when it came out. But it's, it's really main sin is I think it's blandness like the previous scrappy movie you and I talked about um, Red Belt and there was all sorts of problems with that movie but it wasn't necessarily boring while you were watching it it, it was like they knew what they were talking about anyway yeah. and the yeah. fight scenes as brief as they were were legit Yeah. and so as much problems as I have with Led, Red Belt it might arguably have more script wrong with it than Girl Fight. I think it holds together better. <laughs> I enjoyed it more than this movie. Yeah. I mean, they both are seriously flawed. But, um, yeah. You know, you talk about Billy Jack was a chore to get through. Yeah. I'll give Girl Fight the fact that it wasn't a chore. I watched it. I probably won't watch it again for another 20 years. <laughs> it just lays there. Yeah. <laughs> right. it, it's, it's good. I've been there. I've done that. Yeah. Yeah. And... Again, someone else might get more out of it. And again, if you weren't worn out on Rodriguez, which I wasn't when I first watched the movie. But it's interesting. I was like, first time, that's decent. Like, and I'm going to keep an eye on this Michelle Rodriguez. And, and I'm going to keep an eye on that director. Right. Good job all around. And now I'm like, lame movie. Lame whatever movie. Uh, I guess that's the difference between making your first sort of at-bat and your, your fifth or sixth, I guess. But, but you're, you're allowed to change your mind. You're yeah. allowed to mature. And your, your tastes change. It's true. But... I'm not going to find out because I don't think I'll ever watch the movie again. But if I was to review the movie 10 years from now, what then? <laughs> I don't think it gets better. Good enough? Yeah. This is the only thing I know I am good at. Don't take that away from me. You can work. You can sweat. You can train. You can dream and never be better than good. But when the right people come together at the right moment, when they care almost as much about winning as they do about each other, they can become the best of the best. Thank you.
So my best description of the best of the best is that it is the greatest 80s cheese-a-thon ever released in the 1990s. <laughs> I'm saying that as an affectionate thing. This yeah. is this is like I'm going to say so I'm going to talk a little bit of shit about this movie but my I'm smiling and my thumbs are largely up. But I just think I think that a lot of people will enjoy the movie for the wrong reasons. Like I think you're intended to be inspired and invigorated and and learn something about martial arts and like the best of the best was really earnestly trying to be a hard real world martial arts picture that came almost 10 years behind where it should have been probably yeah that and the fact that it's hilarious unintentionally hilarious at comes times. even with its own catchy theme song <laughs> oh yes and that's very important for the 80s action movies and it is so stuck in the 80s world like the 90s didn't really had fully define itself yet it, we were still early into it um and Eric Roberts at the time, like he, he'd gone through his Oscar phase where he was this up and coming like golden boy. Yeah. And then he discovered cocaine and he got a little bit arrogant and he kind of burned some bridges. So it was like rocky time for him. And I think he was trying to reinvent himself at this point in his career. He still had fire and, 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 and you know, wanting to do it, but he is overplaying his hand so hilariously in this movie. I don't think he's a bad actor. I'm going to blame some of this on the coke and some of this on actor desperation he needed people to remember how amazing <laughs> eric roberts was and he is so like catastrophically like way far over the top at times that it is beautiful <laughs> like it's almost nick cage level like it went so far past the line that it became accidentally brilliant right there's this whole scene where he's like, this is the only thing I got. It's in the that, only thing I got. And in that I accent that he has. Just howling with laughter. Yeah. Howling with laughter. He gets his shoulder dislocated during the big fight. In Rocky, he's got the swell, and he's like, cut me, cut me, so he can see past the swelling and yeah. continue the fight. And this one's, pop it, pop my shoulder, pop it. <laughs> and it is fucking hilarious like not even in a bad way in a please watch it it's hilarious the other problem is half of the american team that's being assembled and being trained by darth vader by the yes. way james <laughs> earl jones i'd seen this movie several times before had no memory that he was that in the james movie. earl jones is in the movie <laughs> i mainly remembered the big event the big uh <clears throat> yeah sport events at the end i know it's not the olympics but it's like this anyway half of the team are legitimate martial artists yeah and half of the team are actors yep and you can definitely tell who is who when they're shooting those fight scenes we got an early role from chris penn playing this like shit-kicking cowboy dude he the heavyweight who's undisciplined heavyweight but he's got a hard swing on him and i think that <clears throat> over the course of the film he's supposed to come off a little bit rednecky but the ice was supposed to melt and for me the ice just never melted like <laughs> just <clears throat> but the other two guys were just so clearly better athletes. And Chris Penn, like, he's an actor. He, yeah. He's just, like, I don't, he's not credible as a, like, a, maybe he could be a bar brawler, but I don't believe that he spends his days training to be this physical specimen, right? The whole movie is just full of cliche after cliche montage after montage there's a title track for the movie the best best and it's so cheesy and terrible and i fucking love it like it's like 
it's bad, but it's deliciously bad. It's yes. like it's like mmm, lick the the grease off of your fingers. This is not good for me. <laughs> yeah. But I'm enjoying myself. And you're uh, right. I, I'm ashamed of myself, but I am going to give a thumbs up review to the best of the best with the qualifier that it is not a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> so again, uh, I actually discovered best of the best two before okay. best of the best one. And you understood it, even not seeing the first one. It just still made sense. Yeah, it did, actually. <laughs> it, and it was it was cool. And then I went back immediately and found number one. And to me, I just, in my mind, they were they were joined. They were... <laughs> just should be one movie? They should, well, maybe not one movie, but I liked them equally. They were good. One set up the other one. Was Eric Roberts in the sequel? He is. He's, oh. he's got a much bigger role in the second one. Oh, wow. Yes. Um... And, and, and the the cliche eighties montage with the several of them <laughs> with the rock and roll soundtrack kind of going oh yeah it, it was so formula and Roberts is rocking a mullet that would make Patrick Swayze himself blush that's right <laughs> it's hitting a lot it's checking off a lot of oh boxes. yeah and Eric Roberts was in full Eric Roberts form <laughs> oh my god <laughs> what did Eric just say. <laughs> I, I loved it and I, as I mentioned before it came in a time in my life where I was just beginning in kickboxing and I found this kickboxing movie that was amazing did they make this for me? <laughs> right? yeah it was, it was just like that and it hit home at the time it's, I wasn't criticizing it and you know, now in hindsight you're going oh man that was cheesy but in this day I was going this is why was this never in movie theaters this, this is awesome and it's funny how things, some things age and they're cheesy and they make you kind of wince. And some things age and they're cheesy and they just put a big smile on your face. Absolutely. Um, this one isn't, it's got cheese, but it isn't stinky, dated. It's very, very what you would expect this type of movie to For be. For sure. He's got to prove himself to his kid. Yeah. And uh, all of the different characters have beats that they play. Um hot note for horror fans there's a scene with Chris Penn in a bar where he gets mixed up with this redneck looking dude that's Kane Hodder that's Jason Voorhees is that, that really he's fighting in okay that bar. <laughs> fun fact wow it's just nice to see Kane out of makeup you almost never see him. I didn't pick up on that yeah you almost never see him as himself he's either got a hockey mask or a monster face or sure. something like that right. so uh you know, Kane Hodder fans. It's one scene, but there are people who would, would see to seek it out. Um, and again, that's just another little sort of time capsule. Oh, look, there's Kane Hodder. <laughs> so for fans of this genre, what would you equate this to? Like, if you like this movie, you like that movie. And I was thinking, if you like um, the Jean-Claude Van Damme one, the Kumite one, you'll probably like yeah. Bloodsport. You'll probably like this. Yeah, and it's just as cheesy, too. It's yeah. right in that same cheesy... The weird thing is, like, Bloodsport was 1987 or something like that. Yeah. And this is 1992. Yeah. And we haven't moved the bar at no, all. No, at all, not at all. At all. <laughs> I also think there is some weird stereotyping that's happening here, right? The American team, which is a brand new team that's being... Uh, trained they're not very disciplined half of the job is like getting them to like slap them in the face yeah. and getting them to focus right but the the, 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 korean, China, the, korean, the korean team, team. Pardon, pardon me the korean team are like stoic hard as fuck getting like canes beat across their back running and chest. in chest deep snow with no shirts on it's just a little bit condescending <laughs> yeah. right like on both sides like yeah. like no i don't believe that the korean team is that fucking out there and i don't believe that the american team is that slapdash about mm -hmm. everything the truth must lie somewhere in between okay 
my one thing, even watching it back then, James Earl Jones, did he feel like a martial arts coach to you? He felt like a coach, but not necessarily like a martial arts coach, right? <laughs> yeah, no, to me that was the one of the more unbelievable. It just didn't And fit. Sally Kirkland, the blonde bombshell quote, I'm not sure what she was doing in the movie other than they needed a girl in the movie, maybe? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, and then we get to the big showdown uh, at the end. And we talked about in Red State how we didn't buy the big, it's not the Kumite, but the big ev- event at the end. Right. Uh, like, for a movie that's claimed to know so much about its subject, it kind of dropped the ball here. For everything we learned about the Korean team, and everything we learned about the American team, things play out the way they probably should. The Americans lose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they lose so shadily that the Koreans give over the, the medals. They just they just hand them over. Right. They spent all of these years being tortured and beaten on these rocks, and they're willing to do anything to win. And when they win, they throw in the towel. And it's supposed to be a big emotional, aw shucks, tear-jerking moment. And it's not credible at all. <laughs> at all. But... You wanted it, like, while you're watching the movie, you're not fighting it at all. But on some level, you know it's bullshit. Yeah, yeah, right? it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's the best of the best. Don't is. overthink it. Like, that's the exact same approach when Lee and I <laughs> reviewed Bloodsport, actually, other than the homoerotic underpinnings of the movie. <laughs> 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 this is like, don't fight this movie, <laughs> you know? It's weird how, like, I was so shitty to girl fight, which was like this indie, you know, feminist drama. And I'm giving all the rope in the world to best in the best. But in its own way, I think it's better at being what it's being than girl fight is. I think that uh, as much as it had aspirations to be Rocky, it kind of ended up being this cheese fest but they got a franchise out of it and even if you don't like it i do think it will put a smile on your face and a lot of movies don't even manage that nope uh i will still watch it if it comes up i will watch it every time <laughs> i just looked on my phone to see if i could see if the uh, if you could get this the, the, the theme song oh yeah couldn't find it for download oh i know you're disappointed somebody somebody somewhere <laughs> has ripped it on the line i guarantee right. you i guarantee you if it exists there was this old uh stephen king movie graveyard shift mm-hmm. and they did this weird thing where they mixed bits of dialogue and <clears> sort of cut together this scratchy electro song over the end credits and i always thought it was so weird and i don't know why it popped into my head one day I did a search, and sure enough, somebody had ripped the VHS audio off of it, and I could listen to it again, and there's <laughs> a little plug for the closing music of Graveyard Shift. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you like what you like, and um, this is not something that I'm going to revisit again and again. It's not no. one of my favorite movies by any measure, but as a time capsule to that type of movie, for sure. the best of the best is one of the best of those. It is. It is, absolutely. So, not good, but fun. Yes. I feel like I'm mowing over you. Is there anything else you want to say about Best of the Best? No, I uh, fond memories of Best of the Best, and for me, it still holds up. I'll I'll watch it from time to time. Sweet, sweet. I'm quitting, Shelley. I'm done fighting. I don't need it anymore. It's sad that you let them take it away from you. I was embarrassed. I told everybody I was going to win that fight and get back on track. Sick of being a disappointment. Look, Mick. Nobody's got heart like you. 
You're a very talented fighter. I want to give you a real shot. Make one last run at this thing before it's too late. What about my brother? He's taught me everything I know. I can't do it without him. With all due respect, he's too much trouble. Jackie, get on the ground right now! He's a fighter! Break his hand! Mick, I was doing it for you. You did right? it for me? Remember? What, yes? Yeah. Do me a I'll favor. Don't get nothing for me uh, no more, okay? You ready for a title shot? Not a stepping stone anymore. He's using you. You can't be me. You had a hard enough time being you, and that's why you're in here. We're gonna train. They gotta go. Why am I the problem? I'm his blood. I'm his family. You're crazy. I'm the one fighting. Not you. Not you. And not you. This is my shot at the title. I won't get another one after this. Mickey has a chance to do something that I never did, and he means me. Okay, I'll see you in Mickey's corner. This is your time. I had my tongue in my blue. You don't have to. You'll make it wide. You'll make it wide. So David O. Russell just laid a huge egg in Hollywood with this movie Amsterdam. He had like every famous person in Hollywood in it. It was a big prestige Christmas time release and it bombed so hard that it may well have nadered his career. <laughs> but in 2010, he won Best Picture for The Fighter, and uh, even like before that, he was able to really cull amazing casts together. He always seemed to get first pick of whoever he wanted for his roles. People respected him more than they liked him. Right now, you can go on YouTube and look up uh, footage from behind the scenes of this movie he did with, called I Heart Huckabees, mm -hmm. where he was working with Lily Tomlin, one of the most gifted comedic actresses to ever fucking do it. And he is screaming at her, with a level of disrespect that is so grotesque that it makes it almost impossible to respect him as an artist or a human being. Like, he's crazy. The weird thing is, is that even though people say that and agree that about him, they will line up to work with him. Uh, George Clooney, one of the nicest people in Hollywood by reputation, punched this man in the fucking face on the set of Three Kings. Okay. Because he thought he was being so bad to the background actors yeah. that he had to step in. And when Russell got in his face, he punched him in the face. <laughs> so this guy is a weird dude. Like, one of his best friends, I guess, is Spike Jones, who also does really strange Hollywood movies. Yeah. And he will not do the same movies twice. So... Typically on paper, when I see a movie called The Fighter, starring Mark Wahlberg, based on a true rags-to-riches story about a, a boxer, this doesn't interest me, like, on face. But then you have Russell in it. What's he going to bring to the table? And I think what he brings to the table is that he is significantly less interested in what's going on in the boxing ring than what's going on in Mark Wahlberg's world. The fight that he has is to keep his girlfriend and protect her from his family yeah to keep control of the aspects of his own career right to have a corner of his life that he is allowed to have control of that belongs to him and not this family who is just drowning him with love like i don't think his mom and sisters don't love him but i think they're killing him <laughs> right? oh you know i think his mom was using opportunistic oh, oh she was liking the money that this was making and uh yeah, she was... was absolutely you know exploiting the lifestyle that this was going to be providing for her but i do think on some basic level she, she loved loves, her kids she loved her kids yeah um and and but in a weird way, that's what ends up being more interesting about it. 
The other thing is Christian Bale. Christian Bale got almost all of the attention of the movie. Yeah. And I've always thought Christian Bale was a really strong actor, and I've always been kind of so-so on Mark Wahlberg. And in this case, I'm going to go completely the opposite. <clears throat> I actually think that Christian Bale's performance is sort of like, look at me, look at me, look at me. It's like, this is the Oscar performance of the movie. This movie is about me. Well, and it well, kind of distracts from the fact that the movie's not about that character. But that character... The real life human being yeah. was a person. Look at me, look at me. It's yeah. all about me. And it's, he did the same thing in American uh, Psycho, right? But it worked for me in American Psycho because he was all artifice. Right. I like Christian Bale, but I'm not going, oh, it's a Christian Bale movie. I have to see it. Right. So I'm not that level of fan of Christian Bale. Right. And when I was watching this movie, it occurred to me afterwards, but here's where I'm going with this. I hate that man. The character he's the, playing. Yes. I, if I met that person in real life, I would want to choke him till his eyes popped out of his fucking head. Yeah. And then it occurred to me, oh, Christian's doing a pretty good job because he's making me want to hate this guy. Yeah. Um, and I will also say that Mark Wahlberg did a great job too. I think he inhabited the role in a way that Christian Slater, or Christian Slater, pardon me. Uh, Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Christian Bale was, I think on some level, look at the choices I'm making as an actor. Look at this performance. Look at how much weight I lost for the character. Exactly. Mark Wahlberg inhabited the part. He just lived the part. He was prepping this movie for years. He brought the project to David O. Russell. He was wanting like, to do something where okay. he wasn't a cop. And the, the character was a little bit different than the one he'd already played. In a weird way, he's on his heels for most of the movie. I've said in the past that I tend to prefer Mark Wahlberg when he's playing an asshole or a bully. And I suspect that I prefer that because in real life... He's not. No, he's an asshole and a bully. Oh, is he? He's oh, okay. been arrested in his youth Okay. for hate crimes. Okay. Like he threw rocks at black children and called them the N-word oh, when he was that. 15 years didn't old. didn't know that. And uh, he assaulted two Vietnamese veterans and told them to get the fuck out of his country. And he's tried to make up for this in his later life. And he's tried to... Like he's been open about the sins of the past and I can respect him for not hiding about it but if we're not allowed to enjoy Robin Polanski movies if we're not allowed like in the age of wokeness why do we look past Marky Mark whatever it's a different discussion but in this movie Marky Mark I think acts circles around Christian Bale because he just inhabits the part and does the job whereas Christian Bale is like look at me look at this choice look at I feel similar uh and like she's a decent actor but um, Ashley Judd okay she can act but I somehow see on her face her making these acting choices and I can say intellectually as someone who studied acting that's an interesting choice but I shouldn't see the choice I shouldn't be like there I should just be writing the story with your character okay and I am with Wahlberg in this movie and strangely because it's not typical with Christian Bale I am not with Christian Bale what works for me in the movie is the whole Amy Adams trying to elbow her way into this family. Oh, yeah. I'm not taking any shit from Mark anybody. Mark Wahlberg finally digging in and saying, I want something for me. Yeah. And that is the fight of the movie. Uh, really, it's way more interesting than the big fight in the third act of the movie is the, the, all the character interactions. Oh, this movie is not... It's not a fight. It's either. not about a fight. Yeah. No. It, although the fight... It's scenes, well shot. Yeah, it was good. But that's not what the movie's about. No. No. 
So um, I like it. I don't think it was the best picture of that year. I don't think it's the best picture that that guy has made. But I, I think it works more to watch the performances and the character work than it does as it a awards. scrappy movie. It, it won, won Best Picture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And didn't uh, Mom win Best Supporting Actress or something yeah, like that? Yeah, I think too? she did. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure what they were up against that year. I'm... I don't have it in front of me. Uh, again, I have lost. I lost respect for the Oscars long before this. So I'd, I, I, I resent the amount of weight that they seem to carry. Right. But I did feel like David O. Russell sooner or later was going to get his Oscar movie, and it's interesting that this was the one. <laughs> okay. Interesting. <clears throat> uh, see, and I, I disagree with you a little bit because I found myself hating Christian Bale's character so much. And I realized, I thought, oh, he's, he's doing such a good job. I'm into it. I'm believing it. Yeah. He, on some level, knows that he's a leech on his brother. And he does love his brother, too, by the way. He's not like this malicious, evil person. But he is aware of it in a way that his sisters and his mom seem to be able to filter away. And mom's blissfully, oh, no, not blissfully, she chooses to look the other way and yeah. ignore what her son's doing. Well, and, you know pretend that she doesn't have this iron clasp you know control over him right she does she just doesn't like it when being confronted with it yeah the whole family yeah oh yeah even even the husband (laughs) but amy adams finds herself in this position where she falls in love with mark Wahlberg, but that's not enough because she has to prove herself to not just his mom or his brother like seven sisters everybody everybody (laughs) and they're all standing back with their arms folded looking at her with suspicion when they're all terrible (laughs) they're all terrible to him she's like the one person who is providing him good advice and support yeah absolutely yeah um, so yeah, that's the stuff I'm more interested in than, 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 than the boxing. Yeah. Uh, and it's weird because it's advertised as a boxing movie. I, I grew up, uh, with a bunch of frontiersmen in the Legion Hall and my grandfather coached boxing. So like, I know that environment. I know what it would be like. And I think there's some interesting characters and some interesting stuff that can be said. How do you train discipline into a boxer who just wants to throw fists and doesn't under like... What is tactically, how, how do you get from one point to the other? Why is it that so many boxers are actually incredibly soft-spoken and calm people? You get this idea that they would be like built of fury, right? Right. Let's get to know them. I have yet to see a boxing movie that does that. Yeah. Like in Raging Bull, he is just a monster. And in The Fighter, he is so internal that the rest of the movie seems to happen around him. But I do think that's the performance. I think that was the point. I think that he's the fighter, not because he's a boxer, but because everything in his life is a fight. Yeah. Interesting to know that uh, Christian Bale and uh, Mark Wahlberg spent lots of time with the real the family. The actual people. Yeah. yeah. And that's cool. And Again, I, I'm being hard on Christian Bale. He's good in the movie. I just think that he draws attention to himself in a way that nobody else in the movie does. And for me, I thought that was him just being the character because knowing the real man yeah. is that way. It's funny because I made that same defense for American Psycho. My friend Jason Debray was saying, I think he's terrible in the movie. He just seems so artificial. I'm like, he does seem artificial, but that's the character. The character is playing what he thinks a normal person talks and sounds like. And he's not doing a very good job. <laughs> right. And I get it. Like when the cameras are there, like there's a faux doc documentary being filmed you can see the christian bales character he better be front and center he needs to be the brightest bulb in any given room and he can't tolerate anything short of oh no and he he 
he, he's pumping himself up. He's talking about his glory days. And then he would catch himself and, oh, but it's about my brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, dude, you are such an attention hound. Yeah. But you just see him doing all these histrionics and all the work. And you see he's sort of accentuated the crow's peak on his forehead. And he's down to skin and bone. He's almost to like the mechanic, or yeah. the, the, the machinist, machinist level yes. uh, uh, of his weight. And he's always willing to go there physically. And I do respect that. But for some reason, I just saw him acting. I don't know how else to explain it. Um, the drama, too, with the girls. And again, Amy Adams, who I... She's consistently strong. She's not always in great movies, but she's always good in them. Yeah. And, like, you completely get why he's attracted to her. Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> and yeah. as much as she is, you know, this gum-chewing, you know, sassy waitress, she can dish it out. She can she, dish it out. She can. And respect. You can, you can really get behind that. Um, and... This director is really good at capturing those character beats. I think that's the thing he's the best at. Even if the movie's completely mad, like uh, I Heart Huckabees, which Mark Wahlberg is also in, the characters are so weird and interesting and yet recognizable that you can get into it. If you're not into fighting movies, I think you would like The Fighter anyway. And if you are into fighting movies, you might be a little bit impatient with it, but I think it's worth your time. I agree with both those things, yeah. yeah. It, it'll work for both yeah. And uh, that's a trickier thing to accomplish than, than... I mean, the closest comparison would be Rocky. Rocky is by far the better movie and is much more about the fight. Mm -hmm. But I understand why the fighter struck a chord. But I think if you were to watch all of David O. Russell's movies, this one would stand out as relatively normal by contrast. <laughs> uh, it's good. It's solid. I'm not putting it at the top of the list, and maybe it should be at the top of the list, but uh, I'm sort of grading it on that scale. I call this list scrappy movies. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, maybe this is psychological scrap where it's like a metaphorical scrap, but I don't think that's what we came here to see. <laughs> so, in this case, it's going to rank high, but not at the top for me. Not ranking at the top for me, <laughs> but way above Girl Fight, that's for sure. <laughs> and... and Girlfriend Billy Jack are at the bottom. <laughs> well, let's get to that. Is there anything else you want to say before we get to the rank? Is I don't mean to cut uh, you off. No, no, we're good. Um, yeah, uh, it, it's not that the, there isn't any fighting in the movie. We kind of talked about everything but the fighting in the movie. They actually do the scenes quite well. And like I say, you could almost buy that you caught like a, a broadcast of the fight. Like the, the <clears> grain <throat> of the film changes. Suddenly we're watching this on TV. So what I read, again, I'm just regurgitating what I read, they got cameras that were 1990s-style broadcast cameras to film on right. to get that effect. Right. Because you do notice it right away. The film grain changes. Yeah, it's it's by design. And it does. It looks like you're watching a broadcast. Yeah. And I liked it. And again, it's sort of an aesthetic thing. It's not something... It's not an obvious, obvious thing. I mean, you, you, you don't miss it, but it's just a nice and, well, touch. And, a and, nice and the touch. touch is there for a reason. You know why they're doing that. Because yeah. you're supposed to be watching a broadcast like, and most of the people like it's sort of the Truman Show thing as the bout's happening there are people that are there and there are also people watching at home and just eating their hand yeah. while it's going yeah. on so you're sort of getting off on it with them uh, check out The Fighter it's worth your time definitely
Salvador Frank. Thank you so much. We got it done. It took a couple months, but we got there. We got there. And uh, it's had a lovely evening out here. Uh, you probably may have heard some bird chatter or some pedestrians walking by, but the weather just dictated that we do this outside. And it's a free podcast, so suck it up. <laughs> <laughs> what was your least favorite of this group of six scrappy movies and why? Billy Jack. What? <laughs> yeah. Although it held uh, nostalgia significance for me, it just doesn't hold up well. No. Uh, it was, like you said, a chore to get through. And I hold on to just a few snippets that I actually enjoy, and the rest of it I just... Like I said, it's a chore to get through. Yeah. There's four or five movies in this franchise. Billy Jack is the only one. I think there's one called Trial of Billy Jack. But yeah. Like, uh, I don't think you could get it. Maybe you could find a VHS copy of it, but I, I just think it's gone. I think it has been stripped from the record. Yeah, they're just no good. <laughs> they're just, they're not. Um, so, yeah, that, that lands at squarely at the bottom, easily at the bottom okay. for me. Okay. And fifth place? Uh, probably Girl Fight. Um, eh. Eh. That's it. Eh. How do you sum it up? Eh. Again, it wasn't the chore of Billy Jack yeah. to get through. Uh, but again, I've seen it now and I don't feel I'll need to go back and watch it. I think maybe maybe it was a one and done. Maybe my mistake was revisiting it. Right, right, right. <laughs> In fourth place? No. It's a toss-up between... Um, no, probably the fighter. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, again, I liked most of it. Hated Christian Bale's character. I wanted <laughs> to choke the life out of that guy if I ever meet him on the street. But I guess for me, I wasn't sitting down to watch what essentially is a drama. Right. I was looking more for the action. So I guess my expectations were a little bit skewed going in. Uh, it was good. Uh, I struggled to find out why it won any Oscars in my mind, but again, the I don't. was solid. I don't know what what it was up against that yeah. year, but yeah, no, I would probably put it there just for my enjoyment scale. Okay. Yeah. And then here's the tough one. Is it Lone Wolf and Cub? We got Lone Wolf and Cub. We got Chocolate. We got Best of the Best Two left. Yep. yep. So. What are we in, fourth place? Third. Third place. Chocolate or Lone Wolf and Cub? I, d I don't know where they land. Which one I liked better. I was pleasantly surprised by Chocolate, actually. Okay. Um, probably going to watch Chocolate again, so let's bump it up and let's put... Uh, Lone Wolf Lone and Wolf third? And, yeah. yeah. Okay. Chocolate second place, best of the best in first place for me. Wow, I made first place. It did. Okay. <laughs> Just, and again, a lot of that's nostalgia but I still enjoy it. Well, we, we do have a different list from each other, but I, I don't think we're going to scrap over it necessarily, even though this is a scrappy episode. <laughs> we're kind of on the same page. I think that, that we just scaled it differently based on our tastes, which is exactly what I asked you to do when you came here. So in sixth place, we are completely agreed. Billy Jack. I would not watch that again. I have a friend, Jeremy, who is a connoisseur of bad movies. He enjoys terrible movies. And there are films that come out of this age that I think could be nice companion pieces. Alice's Restaurant, I think, is insufferable. People love that movie. Zabriskie so Point was this big, hippie, art house, important movie of the time, and it's fucking unwatchable. <laughs> and to add to that list, Billy Jack. It just, 
<laughs> terrible. But it's so terrible and frustrating that I don't think I would even recommend it to Jeremy as a bad movie to watch. Okay. Like, it's not even so bad it's good. It's so bad that it's fucking frustrating. <laughs> like, this is pissing me off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So no thumbs down on Billy Jack. Um, and again, if I saw it in '72, maybe I would have been different. I, although I was negative four years <laughs> old at the time. So fifth place is Girl Fight. Again, like I said, I remember seeing it at the Broadway Theater and having fun with it. And then I watched it again like 12 years later, and I did not have like any fun with it. So uh, I either just watch it once and never again, or just pick your battles with it. But it was a strange experience, my experience with Girl Fight. But it was lucky to make fifth place, honestly. Billy Jack just... It made me angry. Here's Girl <laughs> Fight kind of bored me. Billy Jack was starting to piss me off. So. In fourth place, all the way in fourth place, I put chocolate. I think, again, I have some personal misgivings about it. Right. But I can't dismiss the action sequences and how well they're handled. And I do think if you just let go of that and watch it as a pure... Look at how they technically executed these. Look at the choreography. And this actress who plays the lead, I don't have her name here, but she is really good. I, 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 she deserves to be Tony Jaa. She obviously didn't become that, but she was awesome in the mm -hmm. movie. She and really for the work they put into the fight scenes, yes. But for the story and the script, it's in fourth place for me. All the way in third place. It's the best of the best. Oh! 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 <laughs> Sorry. But I did have fun watching it. But I mean, I couldn't honestly tell somebody that it was a good movie either. I'd say, watch this. It's so cheesy. It's so deliciously cheesy. You will have a heart attack from the cheese. <laughs> but best of the best and again like it sounded like i was being mean to eric roberts but i genuinely enjoyed how bad his performance was like it was too much oh, it's, it's eric roberts on point <laughs> it was way too right? much but i did love it this <laughs> is like wow in second place uh the fighter i think i guess like i say the fight was largely metaphorical and this maybe shouldn't didn't fit as comfortably on the list but I did think it was a solidly put together, acted, made movie. Um, it spreads a wide net. It can appreciate action fans will find something to like in it, but there's also a lot else going on. I don't know. It might be the odd one out in the group, but I default put it to second place. Lone Wolf and Cub kind of knocked me over. Like, again, I'd seen it, but it had been so long that I might as well have not seen it. Mm -hmm. And like, I was thrown off by the level of the, the content, the sex and the violence in it, but in a way that I was pleasantly surprised like wow sometimes you know i'm watching a movie from late 60s early 70s they they have a different way of storytelling they kind of take their times they they sit down on the porch they pour themselves a coffee they clear their throat and then they eventually get around to telling you a story yeah. and if you're not used to watching that sometimes that can be like would you please get on <laughs> with it this is not the case with lone wolf and cub it's like 90 minutes it's tight it's full of action it's full of violence and it's well done it's aged beautifully and you, you know you can't say that about the best of the <laughs> like this movie is almost 50 years old when best of the best is 50 years old it, is, no, it, won't it will hold be up. good to only you and i <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, <that's right. laughs> so i actually so to my own surprise put your choice of lone wolf and cub in first place and i would like to thank you for introducing it to me so there it is you're welcome and it is a great movie yeah I don't like it. We're not. You're not mad, right? No. Maybe the fighter's too high, but whatever. No, no, no. This is good. It's individual tastes, but yeah. I'm glad you appreciate the Lone Wolf and Cub one. It was a great discovery. Yeah. 
And now every now and then I have to go to the stupid Criterion website and see if they have a sale <laughs> is there on. A sale. I just can't pay thirty dollars for a movie. I and just is that can't a, is do that the it. single movie or a box set? Uh, you can get it as a box set of all of the movies too. Yeah, but you can also just buy Lone Wolf and Cub. And okay. Usually they're for a Blu-ray. It's like thirty bucks. Right. And to ship it here too, right? Right. But then, like once a year, they have a random like forty percent off sale, and every now and then I just bite the bullet. But I'm a frugal guy. I like getting my movies at garage sales and like consignment yes. shops. And two dollars a pop was minimal investment for me. A girl fight cost me probably two dollars, and just for the conversation we had, I say money well spent. <laughs> and just because. I'm looking on Amazon to see what Lone Wolf and Cubs going. Oh, for. please do tell. It's from, I'm going to guess thirty. If it's available, well, I haven't even found uh, I haven't even found the movie yet. There's posters and right. books. Let, let's see about movies. A lot of graphic novels that have been done. The manga, yeah. See, it's no more modern graphic novels oh, okay. based on it. Well, like I said, there's plenty of story to tell in that world. <laughs> oh yeah, like you can't even find the movie. Yeah. The DVD, no. Yeah. No. Um, my guess is Criterion has the rights. Probably. They have the rights to the Scorsese movie, The Irishman. Oh, and do they? Okay. It's one of the only Scorsese movies I don't own. Oh. And it's not even one of his best movies, but it irritates me because I have all of his other movies. But I don't want to pay $40 for The Irishman. I'm sorry. Have you seen it? <laughs> I have. Oh, okay. It's on Netflix. Yeah. But you can't own a physical copy of it, right? Right. And I'm a collector because of yeah. who I am as a person. Such a hard copy. Thanks for being here, Salvador. Thank you for having me. Let's sign off. All right. Congratulations, you have reached the end of episode 231 of Rankin Review, and I really appreciate your ears. And uh, as I said at the beginning, this podcast drops every two weeks when we're running anyway, every other Wednesday, and that leaves a gap in between that you can fill with uh, other podcasts. Friends of the show, the Terror Table podcast, the Shelf Shedding Movie Show, and a Lifetime of Hallmark are quality podcasts that deserve your ears. So... You know, when you're not listening to R&R, maybe give them a chance. In the meantime, as usual, send your feedback to rankandreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. My name is Larry Parsons. I am, as always, your host and random Canadian. Check out the website at rankandreview.ca. Tell a friend about the show. And stay awesome. Thanks for your ears, you guys.